I just made a word up. That's so funny. <laughs> we just became a conglomerate. <laughs> Where did that word come from? More than five letters. More yeah, than five not, letters. That's, that's, right. that's five syllables. That's more than five letters. My husband works with computers, and that is very different <laughs> than ministry. Yeah. So I can throw something out, and you can say, that's stupid, Kay. We have a severe case of collective ADD. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. Community and connection have been vitally important because, you know, if you do it by yourself, it's all your fault. There were 15 of us in a tiny room. With- we have no idea how professional or unprofessional this thing may turn out once we're done with it. Check, check, one, two, is this thing on? Welcome to the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Strategies, resources, and conversations equipping ministry leaders to cultivate healthy ministry environments. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we are excited again today to have you with us. I uh, hope you uh, are doing well wherever and whenever you may be listening to this fantastic podcast. I'm joined again today by our regulars, Laura McLean and Kay Wolfinger. And once again, we liked him so much last week, we invited him to, to come back for a second time. He'd be our first repeat guest. That's big. That's big. That's big time, Tim. You all just right. wanted another male voice. Well, you know. <laughs> You know, in my world, I tell people often, I have three daughters and a wife. I'm drowning in the deep end of the estrogen pool. So anytime, yeah. I, can, anytime I can add a little testosterone to the world, I'm all for it. Um, <laughs> Tim Beck is the uh, youth director at Wadsworth United Methodist Church outside of Akron, Ohio. Right. Not to be confused with Akron, Colorado. <laughs> or New or, York. Or Akron, New York. Which, <laughs> did you Google where those actually are, Kay? I'm just kidding. Um, and so... Um, this week uh, on the podcast, we're going to talk about um, the, how do you measure or define success in ministry um, the, beyond the, the typical ways. And so we're going to jump in that conversation in a moment. As a way of opening uh, this week, though, we thought we'd kind of share uh, some of our one of our greatest successes or accomplishments or awards that we've received over the years. Um, so Laura is going to jump in first and share with us. Uh, one of the, her greatest accomplishments or awards. I can't, this would be great. Well, so um, high school superlatives. Oh. Of, if your schools did those, but that was, mm-hmm. you know, that was a thing, a big deal. I know schools still do it, but I was voted most dependable in high school, uh, my graduating class. Um, I'm probably less dependable now. I'm a lot more flaky now that I have children, I think. um, If only they knew in high school that you would have kids, they would never said, no, who's not going to have kids. You'll be voted most like most dependable. It was a snapshot in time. (laughs) I I would love to see the uh, snapshot of the yearbook picture that had you as the most dependable person. That'd be fun. Perhaps I could share that on uh, social media. Our socials. That would be fantastic. That would make, that would make this whole podcast worthwhile. Not that it's not going to be worthwhile anyway, (laughs) but that would be a highlight for me. There was was a velvet jumper involved. So, I mean, much better, right? I mean, a velvet jumper, not just a jumper, No, a velvet jumper. Mm hmm. I can honestly. Were you a class I, officer fancy, too? Huh? No, I was not a class officer. No, you would think if they thought you were dependable that they would vote you. You know, especially yeah. senior year. You know, senior year president has a lot on their shoulders. Yeah, because they got to do all the reunions. So huh. true. 
I was. Our I just want to go on record. Turned out did not do the reunions, but that's okay. <laughs> I was out of high school for twenty years and never had a reunion, <laughs> and she's a bit bitter about it. No, no, no. We've had reunions. It just oh, they just didn't plan it. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I just yeah. want to go on record this to to make sure to be really clear. I have never worn a jumper, nor <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've never worn anything velvet for that matter. Mm. I mean, you're missing out. We could change that. <laughs> Yeah, right. Well, then tune in the next podcast when Chris wears a velvet jumper. <laughs> we might have our. We might have, well, yeah. Okay. Anyway, we might double. We might double our listeners from twelve to twenty-four if I did that. <laughs> Although the good, the good news for me is that that it's an audio-only podcast. Say it's not a video, yes, for so sure. Yeah, that we might yeah. save some people. Uh, Tim, what's what's the award? An award you've gotten. Uh, so I played a lot of sports when I was a kid, like a lot of kids did, a lot of boys. Never once won a trophy until my sophomore year in high school, won it for soccer. And I was so proud of that one and only trophy that I kept it on a shelf even after I graduated college. I had a home office before I got married. Then I got married and my wife was a very successful softball player and she brings in 15 to 20 softball trophies <laughs> and I had my one trophy and that's when we decided, let's just put the trophy. Yeah, in the we don't, we don't it's need not that yeah, important. We don't need those. We don't need to do We don't need those. I don't need to play this competition thing. You're right. right. You know, yeah. We're in this together, honey. Right. It's right. Together. Yeah. We have 16 trophies. That's all. Exactly. The that's that's all know, that matters. What is we're, we took a vow. It was, you know, one, two became <laughs> one. Is, yeah. So the way I see this is I just increased my trophy. There you go. <laughs> right. That's really good. Hey, how about yours? Um, I would say I, I was voted woman of the year by the UMW, um, which if you're not United Methodist, that's the women's organization that sometimes are older. And um I was not a member and they yet they still voted. And you weren't you sure you weren't young woman of the year? I would no because well, I, woman. Well, I mean it was just a few years ago. But you know, I was also the youth leader there prior to what, and what, are, the, what are the criteria? Like, like what'd you say? They didn't like me. Oh, so no. that was a big accomplishment for me. Did you get did you get a trophy? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I got a pin. Okay. Oh, even better. A pin. A lapel pin. Right. Um, what are the criteria to become woman of the year at Wadsworth UMC? And that's actually your church, Tim. You gotta yeah. can you can you give us the uh yeah, can is, you? is there a document? I promise you the the UMW has a document that has like what are the criteria protocols people? and whatnot? Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. Policies. I don't have access to that document. Let's just put it that <laughs> right. way. It's, yeah, you're a man. It's locked up. It's secured somewhere. Right. <laughs> yes. It's like it's like the KFC original recipe. Ain't nobody right. getting that. That's right. Right. No chance you're getting that. So mine. Um, I, I too played sports growing up, and in 1991, I was voted the Spartanburg County YMCA Church Basketball Player of the Year. Man. Yes. That's impressive, which basically I like means I had no idea we which, were in the presence of such greatness. which which basically means I was the best basketball player who didn't make a school team. <laughs> so it's kind of like being the it's kind of like being the fastest turtle. <laughs> that's that's kind of what that's like. You know, it's you know, you're you're a really fast turtle, dude. Congratulations. Um, but I did get a plaque that if if I had if we weren't living in, in our current living situation, I could pull that plaque out and show it to you. I don't hang it on the wall. But I still yeah. have it. Yeah, I still have a uh I have a, a old trunk full of all my 
Mm-hmm. Old yearbooks and awards and, and trophies, Tim, um, <laughs> those. And I have my uh, my 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 1986 and 87 um, Peachtree Conference Championship T-shirt that our basketball team had made in eighth grade when I actually played for the school. Um, so, yeah, that's exciting. So uh, let's talk about <laughs> success and how we measure that, because there there are actually uh, we, we are we are. In our world of success in ministry is sometimes a little, it becomes difficult to measure success in ministry. Uh, you know, if you think about the, the business world, um, you know, if, if, if you're in the in corporate world, it's you can, if you're successful or not, it's how much profit are you making? And you can really measure that easily, you know, production wise, how many widgets are you making every day or every month, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but in ministry, it's, it, it's, it's difficult. And so, um, we want to talk about kind of, kind of, you know, what what's good about how we measure success. What's 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 bad about it, and how? What are some maybe before we're done, we can talk about some new ways to measure success. So, when in, in y'all's experience, what are what are some of the ways that that success is typically measured? Numbers, mm-hmm. numbers. numbers are always yeah. the way, and and now. I do think that it is important to look at trends in your numbers Mm -hmm. that um, Mm -hmm. if you are typically having 20 people attend, whatever it is, and then you have dropped off to having five there, there's something going on. Mm -hmm. But if you have 20 and that is a solid program for you, 20 is great. You don't have to be a mega church to be successful because a lot of our churches Nothing about them screams mega church. Yep. Yeah. You know, success for them is in the small numbers and in the intergenerational ministry that naturally happens yep. in small churches and that kind of thing. And so, um, again, I think numbers can be, I think it's good to pay attention to mm-hmm. the numbers and see what the trends are, but that's not the sole, the yeah. sole thing. Well, and I think, you know, they say a healthy youth ministry is 10% of the average worship attendance. And so if we're going to look at numbers, because a lot of times our SPRs will hold youth leaders to account on that, but they don't hold the pastors to account on worship attendance. Right. I'm sorry. I'm just going to put it out there. So if that yeah. affects someone, I'm just speaking the truth here. Um, and so <laughs> I'm <laughs> I don't care. Um, they're not paying me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I can say what I want. Um, <laughs> anyway. And check. <laughs> can we start over? Oh, is this thing on? <laughs> check, check, one, two. Is this thing on? <laughs> but anyway, I think that you're right, Laura. It needs to be a combination of things. And you can't say numbers don't matter. They right. do. Um, yep. But... And, and, I think that's the key. I mean, in by saying you're going to measure something, it automatically infers you have to you have to use numbers. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. you have to count. And so, I think the, the importance is what are you counting? And typically, mm-hmm. uh, the the phrase I have come to um, be fond of is typically the church, we, whether it's worship or youth ministry or children's ministry or adult ministry or Sunday school, we measure butts and bucks. You know, how many people mm-hmm. are in this? How many bucks mm-hmm. are in the seats? How many bucks on the offering plate? And those are absolutely um, 
factors that need to be considered. You can't ignore them. But if that's the only thing you're measuring, then it, that becomes the that becomes the narrative that 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 is 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 shared. The only thing that's important. I, I used to do this. I I learned this kind of early on. So the, when I was in youth ministry in the local church, I would attend the national youth workers conventions, and that's anywhere from three to five thousand youth workers from across the country come together and uh, and learn and worship and all those kind of things. And I, I started noticing that when you would meet new people at the National Youth Works Convention, you would introduce yourself, hey, where you're from, what church are you at? And almost inevitably, the third or fourth question you would get was, how many kids are in your youth group? Mm -hmm. And based on your response, you would see a different uh, reaction. And so I started in this little game where I would just make up random numbers. And so if they would ask me, how many kids are in your youth group? I'd say seven. And usually it was like, oh. And that was kind of the end of the conversation. But (laughs) But if I said 70... They were like, whoa, and they'd want to ask me questions about how I was because I was clearly successful because I had 70 youth versus seven. And, and that's what made you successful or not. And that's where I think we we, we need to start thinking through um, how are we measuring success? Tim, any thoughts you got about, uh, you know, what what do we typically measure and, 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 and how that plays into things? I mean, I think when any youth leader starts out, you can't help but, you know, look at the metrics, look at the numbers and there, and it, it, it can add a lot of pressure to a young youth leader. Yep. Um, and, and that can be something that can really become stressful for leaders. Um, I mean, I have to admit when I started, I was, I was de- heavily into the metrics and I still am, but I think I've just tried to shift my thinking on how I, um, how I look at the data, but the, you, you know, as you guys have said earlier, the, the numbers are important because it can help us understand, you know, certain things about our group. Um, I just try to, um, I think we're constantly trying to learn about new ways to measure success and especially in this post COVID world. Um, and I, there's a lot of uncertainty as to what is successful. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not an easy thing right now. It certainly isn't. And I think a lot of youth leaders are kind of struggling to figure out what is success and how do I measure it right now? Yep. You know, I think a lot of it, a lot of it to go back to the corporate world analogy is, you know, when you, when you are in the corporate world is you're trying to make money or, or make, make things. And you can easily, you can easily measure that when you talk about, you know, for, for us who are of the United Methodist world, you know, we, we say that we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. for transformation in the world. Well, how do you measure disciple? Yeah. You know, when, when, when is that, when is that process done? You know, and so, so you have to get really, I don't want, and I, I don't, I don't want to say, I use the word creative, but I also, I have some friends who are accountants and they talk about creative accounting and we kind of like make things look better. And I'm not saying it's like that. Sketchy. Yeah. yeah I, I, I'm not, so that's why I almost hesitate to use the word creative. <laughs> what I mean by creative is we had to think through how do we, how do you create, what can you create uh, in terms of disciple making that you can measure? And that's 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 very different. And that's why I think our default, because it is difficult to measure, our default is how many people are attending or how much offering are we taking mm-hmm. in um, mm-hmm. within the church. And that's that's that can be a problem. I think yeah. too, the longer you're in ministry, the more you're going to see success. Because mm-hmm. for me, it was the graduates. Oh yeah. The mm-hmm. Adults. Are they going out and are they joining small groups in college are they going on mission trips mm-hmm. are they coming back to a church maybe not our church but going to a church um to me that's success right if they're living out their lives um 
And and you if you don't stay in ministry long enough, you don't get to see those successes. So the church that I attend, um, it's a large church. So by number standpoints, you know, they would seem successful, but but what they talk about a lot is next steps and that every disciple has a next step. And that is something different for everybody. That may be um, for a student going through confirmation or for someone to be baptized, but it may also be to join a small group or to be a part of um, one of the outreach ministries that we have and that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I think that talk of next steps and seeing how we're encouraging and how many folks are taking those next steps is yep. a good indicator of success. That's one of the things I think that's really helpful. So with like, um, it, there's been some talk about, or a lot of emphasis in, in our UMC about intentional discipleship systems. And one of the benefits of that, I think, is you can create this, a a, a pathway to spiritual maturity. And so if you can identify where folks are in their walk, and then record that and then see the, the next year, not measuring who has who is mature, but like you said, Laura, who has gone from this step to the next step? Mm-hmm. And are, are we having movement? You can measure that as success. Um, Brock Morgan wrote a book a number of years ago called Youth Ministry in a Post-Christian World. Mm-hmm. And one of the chapters in that book, he, he basically talks about, I don't remember the, ch- the chapter title, but it was redefining success in youth ministry. And he was, he basically talks about this very thing about how do you get beyond just measuring attendance as, and he talks about what are some of the things you can, you can, you can measure it. And these may be things you can begin to think about in your ministry, but he, he mentions things like, you know, counting individual care. Um, you know, mm-hmm. how, how many, how many young people am I, or, or how many people am I, in my congregation uh, am I, uh, visiting, how many am I, am I uh, sending letters to uh, those kind of things? He also talks about touch points, like keeping a record of how many people in my in my in the, within the ministry each week am I having uh, a phone call with or a text message or seeing them outside of the the church walls, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, we, we our last episode w- w- with Tim, we talked about, you know, um, uh, parent involvement. One of the things he talks about is how much are you reaching out? You know, how can you measure how often you're reaching out to parents? Mm-hmm. A couple of my favorite ones he lists are, are one is, um, is is praying. He talks about, obviously, in terms of young people, um, but how many adults do you have in your congregation that are praying for young people by name? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's oh, yeah. a really cool thing of, of keeping count of that. Um, the other thing I really I, I liked about he talks about stories of transformation, um, and he talks about in the book that it, his his staff meeting for at one church he was at for a while was on Monday mornings, and he said initially when when he would go to the staff meeting the first question he would almost one of the first questions we get asked was hey how many kids were you group, mm-hmm. and he responded like we said earlier based on the, how many were there it was either oh that's awesome or ooh that's a tough night, and so he said he started to become frustrated by that and so what he started doing was. When he would go to staff meeting, when that question would come up, he'd say, you know what? I don't even remember, but let me tell you what happened last night. And he would tell a God story from the night before. And he said, I did that consistently for a few months. And then what happened? He said, I noticed the, the question changed. Mm-hmm. When I would go in, instead of saying, hey, how many kids were youth group? They were saying, hey, what happened at youth group last night? Mm-hmm. And so I think, again, you know, sharing those stories of, of success, sharing those stories of transformation um, and being intentional about that can can be helpful as well. Any, are there any other thoughts you guys may have, or what are some other what are some wanna, things you can count? 
I know that that's how Tim keeps track of his youth. And so share that experience, Tim, because I think it really opened your eyes to how many students you were actually. Um, yeah, well, I, I would say, first off, there there is an education element here where youth leaders do kind of have to educate, whether it be your church staff, senior leadership, whatever, your SPR, your staff parish relations that there are there's a bigger picture that we have to look at this with a bigger picture that the numbers thing it's more than just a number so what i started doing actually during covid just out of force necessity is i just created a spreadsheet i put every student's name on this spreadsheet and i started keeping track of how i was in contact with them was it a text message was it in person was it at a school event or whatever because obviously at that time youth ministry was in a state of disruption Mm-hmm. And that's just, and that's the kind of thing you can keep on your phone or you can print it off. I literally last night printed it off and brought it home to me. And I, because I, I hadn't been doing this as regularly. So I last night sat at the kitchen table and just started checking names off the list. And it wasn't a text message where it's like, Hey, don't forget we have youth group Sunday night. Mm-hmm. It was, Hey, how's it going? I heard you got, you know, wrestling season is wrapping up. How are things going? What about mm-hmm. the choir concert? Just something personal, like a personal mm-hmm. contact. Yep. And it, it holds me more accountable to like, there are ways in which I or, or my team can engage with students outside, inside and outside of the church that actually plays a part in the discipleship process. It's, it shows us, it models for a student that we are willing to walk beside them through this, that we, we are willing to engage with them and to learn about them and to recognize too that it's not always about them coming to us because that's the old school yeah. way of the mindset is how many did you have coming to your youth group event at the church on Sunday? Yep. It's how are we engaging with students in the trenches um, on their turf? And that's, that's something it's just, an, it's just, we have to rewire our brains sometimes. And I will be honest. And you, I think you guys can understand this. The more experienced the youth leader, it's easy to fall into that default mode yep, and yeah. to thinking in the way it was five years ago, like, Oh my gosh, I didn't have a lot of kids show up. Yep. So. You know, as you're talking, it hit me that, that when you're measuring, when you're only counting attend who comes to us, that I mean, obviously that's a mission. That's that's a an attractional model of right. first having yeah. to come to us versus missional model. We go to them, but also, um, the 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 thing is you're measuring a result. The result is they came to church, all right. And if the 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 desired outcome is not for them to come to church, but them to be a follower of Christ. Then instead of measuring, because that's difficult to to measure when they do or don't become a follower of Christ. But if you start thinking through, okay, what are the inputs that are going to help create that outcome? And then let's make sure we're doing our, that's what you're doing there, Tim, is one of the things that's going to help make a disciple is you pouring into them outside of the church. So let's measure, you're measuring that input. So part of that is start thinking through what what um, what what needs to take place in the life of a of a person in your congregation or in your youth ministry or children's ministry in order for them to become a disciple. What what does that look like, and how can we measure the inputs and the process versus only measuring the outcomes? Because mm-hmm. the only outcome we have to measure right now, typically, is um, is the number of people who are attending or, or what they're giving. Mm-hmm. That's that's good. That's really good. What else? Anything else? Laura, Kay, anything? You dad? Yeah. I, I think one of the things I, I would mention that I think is important is about this is um, when I've done 
I've done some 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 workshops around this idea of redefining success in, in, in youth ministry, particularly. And one of the things I think is important is we need to make sure we are sharing what we're measuring with what because that what you're measuring is what's important to you. All right. And so knowing the why of why am I measuring this? You know, if we're just measuring how many people are attending, that's easy. And we don't really know why. We just know that we're measuring that result. But if we know the why, what we're doing, what we're trying to accomplish, so we can figure out new ways to measure it. And so I did this exercise. I did these workshops. And I'll, I'll use this with youth leaders. But I'll say, okay, how do you as a youth leader define success in youth ministry? And usually it's something like spiritual development, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say, okay, how does your pastor of your church, how do they measure success? And they'd write that. I have them write down. How does the how does a, a young a young person in your ministry measure success of youth ministry? How do the parents measure success in youth ministry? How does your supervisor, your SPRC in the Methodist world, or your 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 deacons or in the Baptist world, whatever, whatever your, your the the committee you report to, how do they measure success? And I ask them then, okay, you've written all these down. Does anybody have like five responses that are all the same? And typically nobody does because the way youth ministries or, or ministries define the success in that ministry is defined differently based on your perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say it's important that we are communicating what we're measuring and why we're measuring it. And so we all know we're measuring the same things because if not, then I use the old analogy and this is going to age me. Um, but there was an old youth ministry game called steal the bacon. Do you guys remember this game? No. Yeah. So basically you get <laughs> sounds it. Sounds naughty. So no, it's not <laughs> naughty. It's not. So All you right. basically would get an choice. old big tire inner tube, put it in the middle of the room, and you have people in four corners. So you let's say you had twenty people, you you number one, two, three, four, five, and so you send a send a group of a team one through five in each corner. Okay. And you call it a number, you call it ones, and all the ones from the corners would run <laughs> the middle and try to drag that that inner tube back to their corner. Mm. Inevitably, what you would get, unless you had, you know, three junior high girls and the starting center of the football team in the other corner, <laughs> they just pull and you make no there's it doesn't go anywhere. They just fight yeah. against each other. You know, that's like I said, you got that one huge kid who pulls everybody around. Um and I said that's what it's like when when we have different um views of what success is and we're trying to accomplish different things we're all pulling in different directions and we're accomplishing nothing but once if we can all come to understand that we're all trying to accomplish the same thing or measuring success the same way then we're all pulling in the same direction and we can easily pull that inner tube back to our corner and so i think it's really important that as you're thinking about success in ministry again whether that's youth ministry children's ministry adult ministry general church success is being clear about what is success again that starts with knowing your why and then let's 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 work together to think through what are the signs that we are uh, um, being successful. So we're all working together and not fighting against each other. I like that, especially so that, like I was yeah. saying, trying to say before, not so eloquently, that all ministries should share in that definition, right? Mm-hmm. One shouldn't be held to account differently than the other. Absolutely. Um, I think youth and children's ministries. Um, are defined differently because children are dependent upon parents more than mm-hmm. youth. And so sometimes those get, um, you know, I don't know, there's a line in the sand different, but then to me, well, then it goes back to the parents. How do you define, you know, yeah. success yeah. with adult ministry. So I like that. Yeah. Well, they yeah. don't they say in church, you know, 
strategies, church strategists would say, you know, if, if you have people attending once a month, they're considered a regular attender of worship. Yep. Right. And children and youth ministry don't usually get held to that same standard. But so I also mm-hmm. have been kind of tracking how many students are we having meaningful contact with in a month, just to use that month um, time period. And that does, to, to your point earlier, Laura, about like, if I see that number going up or down drastically, then it, then it, it helps me become more aware of, okay, was there a reason for it or right. is it, or is there, it could be, you know what, there were, it was tournament season and there was yeah. a school dance and there just happened to be a lot of activities. And right. that's, and that helps me then understand, okay, but it could also point to maybe there's a bigger issue that I'm not addressing that I need to address. Well, and you know, Tim, I like your approach about, you know, going down your list, because as you just said, it could be just that that student um, plays basketball. And so you don't see him all winter. But if you lose touch with them all winter, they might not come back or feel apprehensive about coming back. So it's not that they're not involved in your ministry anymore. It's just that, you know, they're playing basketball or it could be anything. Um, And so staying in contact, constant contact is um, vital with teenagers for sure. That's good. That's good stuff. That's a good conversation. Hopefully that's helpful for you. You know, as you think about this, I hope. I mean, my hope for this whole conversation is that that yeah, I think Tim mentioned earlier that it's easy to get to get discouraged by the the especially. I've talked to so many youth workers over the last three years after from COVID, mm. with as numbers have not bounced back for for various and sundry reasons. We can see here all day and talk about the differing reasons why that might be, but. I have talked to so many youth workers who are very discouraged because they feel like they're not they're they're not effective only because all solely due to the fact that pre-COVID they were having 15 kids and now they're having 10, you know, mm-hmm. and, and right. trying to think through you don't don't hopefully you can find some encouragement and, and look at new ways to measure success and realize that the, the work you're doing in ministry, um, it, it's making a difference. It, it's important and it's and it's mm-hmm. it's uh, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so hang in there. Hope you find some encouragement. Uh, speaking of encouragement, um, I, I've got my random fact of the week. Uh, oh, is that a silky segue right there? Maybe. Yeah, it could <laughs> be. I, I, whoa, I just, I just hit a button and, and lost. Oh, there it is. That was not silky. Yeah, it was not silky. Yeah, <laughs> surprise, I was not silky. So this is a. Uh, Another reason that I want to go to space now. You know, all people are now going to space. It's, it's, it's cool. You want to go to space? I do now because <laughs> I, I just found out that space partly smells like diesel fuel and barbecue. Ew. Why? You guys know I'm a big yeah. barbecue guy, and I'm a little curious to how diesel fuel and barbecue combine. But it does tell cool. me that this is mainly due to the amount of dying stars in our galaxy. The combustion releases a compound called polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons wow and what i want to know now is if if going back to our to last week if pigeons could fart would it smell like diesel fuel and barbecue maybe that's something we should consider here maybe that's Hmm. but it smells like barbecue in in space that's kind of encouraging to me yeah but mixed with diesel well yeah we could we can overlook would you be able to smell it though yeah that's what i was thinking to yeah right that's really, that's actually, it, it could be your last breath. It could be. Yeah. I mean, that's a that really good question. Be. How do it's they know big. this? I mean, that's a, because in your space, you had to have on spacesuits. Are they getting, mm-hmm. huh? 
maybe they're I'll Google it. <laughs> Just Google it. Just Google it. But people really should sponsor at least this segment. I know. Absolutely. This week's the fact of the the random fact of the week brought to you by Google. And silk. And silk milk and Segway um, motorized Mm -hmm. scooter things. If anyone has has a hookup out there for us for those sponsors, let us know. Here's your question of the week. Is a Segway considered a scooter? It's kind of like it's a hot dog a sandwich. You know, it's like. You were a hot dog. Would you eat yourself? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, really off the rails now. Yeah. Okay. And diesel fuel and barbecue. So I guess maybe could that maybe we could say what it, it smells like in the south? No. <laughs> well, Sometimes. wow. Tim really found that funny. I found that I, funny. well. I only found it funny because I was thinking that earlier. I just didn't say it. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> what we've learned now is that Tim has a filter. Kay does not. <laughs> I'm still. I'm I just too. You knew that. We actually, knew that. We actually learned that Tim, earlier in the podcast. Yeah, I bet if Tim came back a couple more times, his right. filter would be gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You come down to see me in South Carolina, and I'll make sure you have a great barbecue experience. And Sounds it, like a plan. It will not taste like or smell like diesel fuel. Diesel. Do, no. I'm down. I like barbecue. It's not. I would imagine that that would smell like burnt barbecue, maybe. So anyway. All right. <laughs> thanks for joining us. Uh, this Tim, uh, tell everybody like if they want to connect with you. How can they find you on social? I said this last time and I didn't, so I'll let you tell Man. how folks can connect with you because you're a cool dude. I mean, I don't know. You can find me on, I guess, the socials. I'm on Instagram, Tim Beck2, the TWO. Oh, that's clever. It's Isn't that clever? Here's, it's one of the best here's a ever. bonus. Awesome. I will all plug for Tim. If you are into music, especially old 80s like vinyl and, and, yeah. yeah vinyl he has an amazing vinyl collection and he'll get on and do some lives like on instagram live yeah on instagram oh, and play what? music and talk about the he should have been a dj honestly I wanted, yeah that was my dream job and he'll talk about yeah. music and the history right. behind it and stories behind it it's interesting so go follow him i'm literally just pulled my phone up and i'm going to look up tim beck too because now tim beck too Tim Beck too is, is one of the greatest handles. Handle. In, in you, hey, you know what? My and I don't go on Snapchat much anymore, but my Snapchat handle is Tim Beck also. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's pretty funny. good. You're so, yeah. funny. Right. Yeah. so funny. I'm, I'm very intrigued by this, and we need to have more conversations. Yeah, so, for sure. It, wait, is it Tim Beck too? Like just all TWO, TWO, Tim Beck, TWO, all one word. Oh, not the number two. No, that doesn't. I was like, that doesn't look like you, Tim. TW. There you go. Oh my gosh. I'm, I spelled T O and then it was showing T W. There you are. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. All right. Cool. Hey, thanks for joining us. Hope this has been helpful. If you want to connect with us at Cultivate Group, uh, check out our website, cultivategroup.org, C U L T I V, the number eight group.org. Follow us on social media, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, reach out to us. We'd love to help you any way we can. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Strategies, resources, and conversations equipping leaders to cultivate healthy ministry environments. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like, rate, and review our show wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to connect with you on social media, so follow Cultivate Group, that's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight group, on Instagram and Facebook. 
And check out our website at cultivategroup.org. That's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, group.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time.